Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The text for Christmas Eve meditation is from the Gospel reading of Luke chapter 2, which reads, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Well, welcome, brothers and sisters in Christ and all who are gathered to hear and worship the wonderful news proclaimed by the angels to the shepherds. We join in the celebration of, of, of our Savior's birth. You know, in normal circumstances, uh, Christmas Eve is the one time of the year when our sanctuary is, is quite literally overflowing with people. This, Sunday, or this Christmas Eve is a little different. I tell you, it's maybe a little more uh, closely related to the first Christmas Eve where there's only a handful of people who even knew that there was something to celebrate. And for the, the Jews in Jesus' day, the, their life of worship looked markedly different as they still waited for the future coming of their Messiah. In Roman occupied Israel at the time of Jesus' birth, the Jewish liturgical calendar involved three yearly pilgrimages to Jerusalem, to the temple for the feasts. They had Shavuot, as we would call Pentecost, Sukkot, which is the festival of tabernacles, uh, a thanksgiving for the harvest, and then there was the Passover, whereby the people would be reminded of the Lord's mighty deliverance from the land of Egypt. At each of these major festivals, Jewish families would pack up and head to the holy city to worship into the temple and to offer there their sacrifices. For the children who would come with their parents, this was an opportunity to observe and learn from the priests who were stationed at the temple. You might think of it as their, their version of confirmation classes. So the priests, they would take the, the groups of children to the holy place of the temple so that they could see the dwelling of, of, of God with their own eyes. See the altar, the incense, the menorah, the veil, masking the, the most holy place. But when they entered in with their priest, the first thing the children would see immediately to their right was the table hosting the showbread. This table piled high with 12 loaves of unleavened bread, one for each tribe of Israel, signified the provision and blessing of Almighty God to his chosen people. Each Sabbath, the priests would consume the bread of blessing and a new offering would be baked and set in place. And thus the people of the Lord knew that the Lord's table was never empty. The children would be allowed to, to, to gaze upon this temple where their, while their priest reaccounted for them any number of stories about how Yahweh provided for his people of old, and he would lift them up one of those loaves so every child could see it and would call out, see how much your God loves you. I want you to think about that for a moment. For a people who are once nomadic and whose next meal was not always a sure thing, nothing spelled security quite like a table full of bread. Indeed, it was the act of coming together around a full table which marked the most significant holy days in the Jewish calendar. Bread for the Israelites came to be associated with God's providence. And so it was quite fitting that in our reading for this evening, the famous account of the Christmas miracle in Luke's chapter 2, in 
Luke chapter 2, we see the incarnation of Jesus Christ took place in the city of David called Bethlehem. The name Bethlehem is rather significant in, term of, in terms of God's care for his people. It's comprised of two Hebrew words, Beth, meaning house, and Lehem, meaning bread. Put them together, and the name of David's city translates literally the house of bread, making God's intention for this place all the more clear. And so in this sleepy town 2,000 years ago, God filled the house of bread with the very bread of life. We read, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. On this night, where we herald the birth of our Savior, I want you to take time to reflect the profound mystery which our God has revealed to us. That he who once fed his people in the wilderness with manna from heaven now descends from his mighty throne to be born in a manger, a feeding trough, to become himself the portion which gives life to hungry sinners. For this same body born this night of the Virgin Mary would show anew God's provision for his people. Only he would show it in a way that they had not seen before. For God would do something different. He who fills the heavens with his glory would enter into humanity's lowly estate. He was born in humility. He grew up in the home of a carpenter with his mother and his earthly father, his brothers and sisters. In all ways, he would experience life as we ourselves experience it, knowing joys and sadness, health and sickness, love and loss. The miracle of this most holy night has only a small part to do with the angels bringing their gloria to the frightened shepherds, but it has everything to do with God humbling himself to take up our flesh to serve his people. In all ways, in all ways, this infant child would grow to manhood so that he could give himself to meet the needs of his lost people. No longer providing for his own by the hands of kings or prophets, God would now answer Israel's cry for bread with his very body, preaching to them with his good spiritual food, giving them their daily bread and the miracles of feeding and healing. But he doesn't stop there. Just as the showbread was offered up in the temple as a sign of the Lord's love and care for Israel, so would the bread of life be offered up on the cross as the greatest act of God's provision which was ever shown. In the most physical way imaginable, by suffering and dying, your God has demonstrated to you that his love for you is truly boundless. By the pain of the nails and the wounds of the spear, Emmanuel took your portion so that you might be given his. He died your death so that you might have life in him. This body crucified for your salvation, 
offers new life to you and the forgiveness that it achieves on your behalf. This body offered once for sinners now comes into this house of bread, his very church on earth, to feed his people with his body and his blood in the Holy Supper. All of this was foreknown by your God well before the night of his nativity. It has always been God's plan to come to us this way, to care for us, to feed us, to die for us. From the beginning when he saw our wretched plight, he resolved to answer our need in the body of Christ. Jesus' birth in Bethlehem brings this long-awaited plan announced by the prophets nearer to its fulfillment. From his birth to his death, from his resurrection to his ascension, and finally his coming again in glory, the mission of the Christ is to nourish you with his nearer presence. Thus as the angels declared, so do we in the church join our voices in songs of gladness. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. For God is faithful to his promises. He has come to bring us his peace, which passes all understanding, peace that this world simply cannot give. Emmanuel in Bethlehem is the physical sign, the very icon of the profound love of God that he has for us, that he would deign to dwell with us not just in a temple or tabernacle, but in our humanity. This sign, heralded by the heavenly host to humble shepherds, demonstrates in a visible, tangible way that God's providence stands for the poor and the lowly. Look upon the manger where they lay your Lord and your God, the feeding trough where they lay the infant Christ, and know that the Lord's table is never empty. The same Christ now sets his table before you with the very food of salvation, the bread of life, which is his very body given for you, for you unto death on the cross and yet present for your forgiveness at his altar. Come now rejoicing, O Christians. Enter this house of bread and see for yourself how much God loves you. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is the bread of life. Amen.